thoughts of Mike's death, this marks a new beginning Things for supporting, a total reinvention The soul is still here, but the vibe's a little different Unpredictable, hot the kids and the women Sports of all sorts, music mixed for living Rep New York City, but ain't the politician Always bring the heat, Steph bacon in the kitchen Big shout to y'all, I appreciate the listen Donnie put the rest, but I'm still in the best In the world of what I do, all y'all know the rest I live it, I breathe it, I'm the whole definition The pinnacle, the ultimate, I'm on a new mission The salty thoughts of Mike Steph Featuring the one and only Mike Steph The best in the world of what he does Tap in Digesting. All the crap I have to eat just to remain a gentleman A little wordy, I know a weight is better than But I'm also stubborn, considered a pain veteran Another feather in, my captains are fitted If it wasn't for my fam, I swear I would quit it I don't forget shit, that's part of the problem Brutal black figure, bootleg, dark night of Gotham Would've had the debt if I chose wearing a condom Have no regrets, I leave those one where I found them Got a death sentence with no chance for a pardon, mad for 20 can reminisce of a hard on Recognize his face, acknowledging greatness On a different level, it's the face of the faceless If I get this up, what I do with the stress Without an outlet to vent, proclaim I'm the best In the world of what the fuck you remember the rest I got a keyboard and shit pent up in my chest I guess that's probably where I keep it Spare the whole world, no longer teaching No longer reaching for pussy Perfection, need more consistency for prolonged erections. I finally find direction, discover what I'm best at. Shooting at every perceived light, yeah, clap back or clap first foot on the pedal, grease the base. I'ma exit now, I'ma recognize this place, recognize this face, acknowledge my greatness. On a different level, it's the face of the faceless. Recognize this face, acknowledge my greatness. On a different level, it's the face of the faceless. Recognize this face, acknowledge my greatness on a different level is the face of the faceless what up people welcome 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 to the debut of the salty door to mike steph yeah this is your host the one and only mike steph best of world at what he does still <laughs> yeah, I know for long time listeners, yeah, you're probably like, well, this is still the same feed. It's still salty thoughts. That voice still sounds the same. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, total reinvention, total reinvention. Everything is about moving forward. Everything is about progressing. Yeah, so this week on the debut episode of the Salty Thoughts Max Steph, I will have my first guest, hopefully in a long line of many. And that guest is going to be my brother from the Gimmick and Friendship Podcast, one half of GI, 
Tyler McDowell. Tyler McDowell blinking. <laughs> he blessed me with his presence for, shoot, I think we chopped it off for damn near three hours. But one of the changes, the slight changes, the slight tweaks in this uh, re-debut is that I'm going to try to keep these episodes as close to an hour as possible. So being the fact that we chopped it up for damn near three hours, I am not going to overload your brain cells with the whole three hours here on the debut. So you might as well say this is part one of the new beginning. Yes, the new beginning. Me and Tyler on this part, we talked about what we consider to be our, or who are, who we consider to be our moral compasses. We talked about his foray into the educational field and a slight, a little surprise of he had dreams of hosting this once popular music show that was on cable TV along with his crush of, well, I'll just leave it as Miss Diaz. Yeah. So all that and a little bit more will be included on this episode. For those who are tuning in for the first time and have not checked the YouTube page of myself, Mike Steph, this is kind of a simulcast. So you can check out the podcast in video form on YouTube, on the YouTube page of Mike Steph. Yes, that will be the plan going forward. Each and every week we will have a YouTube version, and we will have the audio form on the mothership, the flagship, if you will, the salty thoughts of Mike Steph. Before I get everything on the way, up and running, I'd like to thank each and every one of y'all who have stuck by me through these, well, through this month of disappearance, my month sabbatical, my month of recharging, and who have always supported me from the very beginning. And I would like to welcome those of y'all who are tuning in for the very first time. I'm going to let y'all know right now, going forward, just like it was in the past, things will be choppy at times. Things will be very unorthodox at times. But I will try my best, to a certain degree, to tell you the truth, to uh, round off the sharp edges that used to be. And, um, don't get it twisted. I will still be my zany self. I will still be my unpredictable self. And I will still be unfiltered. Matter of fact, probably more unfiltered than I was starting to be at the end of the prior iteration. So, yeah. One thing that hasn't changed is the fact that I tend to ramble on these intros and outros. So, without further ado, let's get this show on the road let's get this show up and running let's get this debut on the way huh <laughs> without further ado yeah this hasn't changed either good night and goodbye hey what's up people How's everyone doing? Long time no see. 
it is, I won't say the reintroduction, but the debut episode of the Salty Thoughts of Mike Steph. Yes, I told y'all when I finished before that Donnie Ooh has been retired, to say the least. But the face is the same, the mind is the same, the voice is the same, and uh, yeah. So the podcast is the same, just under a different name. But this time, for the first time, I think, matter of fact, for the first time ever on these YouTube streets, I actually have <laughs> a guest. <laughs> like, whoopee for me. No, I have a, I have a, I have a very special guest. Um, I'm going to let him introduce himself, even though you see his name over there. Yeah, there we go. You see his name, but um. Mr. McDowell, introduce yourself to the <laughs> audience of the Salty Thoughts of Mike Steph podcast. Oh, man, I would love to, Mike. Well, thank you so much for having me. My name is Tyler McDowell. I am, uh, what am I, man? Uh, <laughs> I'm an Arizona kid, Arizona man through and through. Uh, I'm the co-host of the Gimmick Infringement podcast with uh, my former colleague teaching at Mariana High School, Brad Winchester. I know that's how we uh, connected. Mike was was through our, our shared podcast and shared love of wrestling, et cetera, which I know we'll get into. But uh, Tyler McDowell is is the government name. And uh, yeah, man, I am uh, so, so happy to be here. Obviously, I love your work. And, um, you know, not only us kind of sharing love for each other's work on the professional side of things, but you've become a, a dear friend over the last year and change. So um, super thrilled for this relaunch. I love everything going on here, the colorway. The, the the vibes you're going for based on what I know of your direction for for the the relaunch so um, so great to see you here man uh, so so honored and grateful to be your first guest and I'm really looking forward to the conversation I, I kind of have an idea of where we're going but I know we got some surprises and uh, I just uh, I'm, I'm thrilled man thank you thank you like like Tyler said um, we met about yeah about a year ago right into leading into uh, WrestleMania season. Uh, through our, which called shared friend, uh, the Mojo King, the the hidden gem czar himself. You know, um, he kind of introduced me to McDowell and Winchester, or Winchester and McDowell. <laughs> yeah, that that's one thing that hasn't changed. Yes, I would still say <laughs> McDowell when it comes to. And, and my my, na- my name goes second. Listen, I, I respect that. Brad is my main man. Uh, Win Winchester and McDowell sounds sounds uh sounds like the better option. I like that. Rolls off the tongue. Ah, definitely, definitely. You know, so what what killed what I appreciate about both of these brothers um from the from the left coast is the fact that they kind of accepted me reality in, in, in which were like literally sight unseen. We didn't really visually see each other until like seconds before we pressed record on the gimmick infringement podcast last year. And um I don't know. I can't remember if y'all knew a little bit about my platform, but just the fact that y'all, um, you know, embraced me uh, fully, uh, flaws and all, um, was one of those one of those situations. Like, you know what? I really, I really appreciate these dudes. And of course, I would have something to um, try to mess up my debut but we're going to keep on rolling because if there's one thing that's going to be consistent is the fact that i really try not to edit for so much because i want it to come out with the full essence you know uh, i'm not a perfectionist 
well, actually I am, but when it comes to what we're trying to accomplish here on the Sultry Daughter Mike stuff, um, I want it to be as authentic as possible. So uh, I have a list of couple questions. I mean, I have a list of questions that I'm going to broach to Mr. McDowell um, in no particular order. It's not going to be so much of an interview, but it's going to be somewhat of a guideline to try to keep me on a straight and narrow and not turn this whatever how long this conversation is going to be into an all-night affair. So first and foremost, he did mention that he is in the educational field. So, Mr. McDowell, I would like to ask, uh, what made you get into the teaching field? Wow, uh, that's that's a that's a great question. That's a big question to to kick it off, man. I'll try to be relatively brief. I say that knowing this is going to go on for several minutes, so so buckle up. Um, I went to school. Well, first, let me kind of trace back to when I was growing up. I have two wonderful parents. Uh, I feel super blessed to have them in my life still. And they set the expectation that I was going to go to college. So it it didn't matter where or, or what I wanted to study. But from an early age, I knew that after graduating high school, that was going to be my path. So I had ambitions originally. I'll, I'll keep it all the way real with you, Mike. I had two goals in life. One was to become the point guard for either the New York Knickerbockers or our beloved Phoenix Suns. That was, that was option one. You know, so your, your, your man's was nice with it back in the day. Elementary school all-star, right? Like that's, that, that was me. I had the Allen Iverson, the answer wristband that covered okay. like half of my forearm. Yeah. Headband Jones. We were, we were, we were serious with it. The style was impeccable. The jump shot there, eh, you know, um, but of course, like, like I think many of us, right, we had the hoop dreams. And then on the other side of things, um, especially as I got older into high school and I realized maybe hooping wasn't my my route, I had a dream of becoming a co-host of 106 in Park. Really? And I, yes, yes. And I was, <laughs> I this, this might be controversial, but it's, it's my truth. I was definitely a Terrence and Roxy. 106 guy. I, I was about listen, to ask. Listen, brother, I came after AJ and Free. All love to the goats. They're amazing. Um, but Terrence and Roxy were my era. And so I don't know if you remember Roxy Diaz. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I, I remember. I, I, I remember. That's, that's, like, okay, I'm, that, I'm, that's, I'm a, that's the, a disrespectful response. I'm of the age of AJ and Free. Listen, so Free, free, so free, free to free me was... Mm-hmm. Hey babe. <laughs> hello to hello to the sponsor. You know the Roxy Roxy, I, like I said, Mike, Mike, I, I, Mike, Mike, I need you to put some respect on Rockzilla's name. <laughs> if I'm gonna retweet this, I I need some respect. And she she is she, I don't know if you know she's 40, and I, I don't know if okay. you follow her. On, I don't know if you follow her on the IG or the Twitter, no. but uh, you you just would never be able to guess it, man. At Freeze a queen, Roxy's a queen. We don't have to choose. We we love them both. Uh, yeah, both of them. So, Thumbs so up. I was uh, I was of the Terrence and Roxy. I'm so glad got to speak about Roxy. I don't do that enough. Uh, <laughs> obviously, huge crush on her. Thought she was magnificent at what she does. I love Terrence J as well. And I thought, like, man, this would be cool. I think I want to do this. So, got to college. I studied journalism. So I stayed in state. I had this this um, kind of internal conflict of do I stay in state and go to school 
or do I go out of state to attend an HBCU? So the idea of a historically black college was super intriguing to me, um, especially junior, senior year of high school, when you start getting those questions from, from elders and from your school staff about, well, what are you going to do when you get that diploma? I started thinking as one of the few black students at our high school, like, man, it would be really cool to be around people who look like me, right? Peers of my age who who perhaps have some similar life experiences. So I thought about an HBCU. It was definitely a, a grandiose dream. But when I started factoring in tuition and, oh, you actually got to pay for college. It's, it's not like public high school. That dream kind of kind of faded. So state in state, I went to the University of Arizona, which is about two hours south of my hometown. So I'm definitely a Phoenix Glendale kid. Okay. Um, a lot of your listeners probably know Arizona because Phoenix is, is a huge city. Uh, but two hours south in Tucson, near the Mexico border, there is a wonderful place called the University of Arizona, uh, probably best known for our, our men's and women's basketball teams. Go Cats. And I went there, I studied journalism, and here's answering your question. I told you this is going to be a lot of exposition. So I got that journalism degree uh, on time, luckily, by hook or by crook. I, I walked across the stage, and um, I just didn't feel the same passion for journalism that I thought I would. So to make a long story even longer, I don't, I don't think you know this about me, actually. I... Um, I enrolled or applied and got accepted into a program called Teach for America. Okay. So basically they take college grads, new college grads, and place them in various regions across the country to teach. So Arizona kid, I got placed in Memphis, Tennessee. So I spent summer 2015 living in Memphis, at least part of that summer. Wow. I know. Okay. Yeah. So I was, in, I was in Memphis for not the whole summer, but I think about six to seven weeks. So a, a decent amount of time learning how to become a teacher. Uh, there were probably, I want to say maybe 30 to 40 peers who were there with me who were also moving to Memphis and uh, cool experience. But then I had some, some family, uh, some family stuff come up and I ended up moving back to Arizona. So on one hand, I know you and I have spoken offline about just life transitions and, you know, how to maneuver through the ups and downs of, yes. of being a human being. So that was a huge transition. Family stuff came up, moved back to Arizona, left Memphis completely. Uh, lots of good barbecue in Memphis. Um, but left Memphis completely, came back to Arizona. I was working at a ballet studio for, for, for a minute. I always lead with that. But then I clarify, I was not a teacher. I was not a ballet instructor. I was just working at the front desk. And that is only because... <laughs> A family friend owned the ballet studio. Uh, one of the few, you're... one of one of the few black-owned ballet studios in the state, might okay. I add. Yeah, so they were exceptionally dope and generous to me. I worked that job for a little bit, uh, but then I got into teaching. Right, so I was working at a high school in their college and career center back in Tucson. So I came back to Phoenix, but then a few months later moved back to Tucson, accepted this job as a college and career person in the counseling department. Uh, but then that following year, Mike, finally, 10, 11 minutes in, uh, finally, that next year, I got my first teaching job. So in terms of like, you know, why, what led me to teaching? When I went through this, this early midlife crisis of, okay, I, I did this college thing, I got my degree, I checked that box, but I don't want to do the journalism thing anymore. Um, I just wanted to figure out like, how can I make a positive impact on people? And what can I do that, that hopefully seems like I'm, I'm 
maybe fulfilling a larger purpose to society. I know that sounds very Hallmark-like, but that was my my thoughts at the time. Uh, and I just reflected on how much I love stories, how much I loved writing. So as a journalist, I was writing a lot. Okay. Obviously, in English, you're reading work from writers and you have writing assignments. So I had some English credits from college. I thought about the teachers that made a difference in my life, who I still kept in touch with from high school. And it was kind of a no-brainer from there. I thought, okay, I'm going to be a high school English teacher. Uh, so I spent my first year in 2016 teaching high school English at Marana High School in Southern Arizona, about 2,200 students, rural community, um, some Confederate flags you can spot on your way to and from school. So that, that's probably a whole other episode of just the challenges of, <laughs> of working in an environment that has so many tremendous students, families, and, and, and adults, and also a community, like many communities that have some folks living there that have a, real, a lot of backwards views and dangerous views. Yeah. Um, but I, I love that community so, so much. I worked there for five years teaching English, freshman and senior English. I met Brad Winchester through there. So shout out to Brad. And that's how GI ended up becoming a, a you know, a, a, a star in the sky that ended up becoming an actual, an actual plan, an actual project that we turned into a podcast at GI pod 19. Um, and then moved back here and taught. So anyway, uh, you don't need to know my whole biography, even though I just gave it to you. Your question is what led me to teaching? I wanted to find something that would give back to the community that I would also enjoy at the same time. And that also would, would pay me for, for my talents. So teaching was that. Um, but I just never considered teaching prior to this early midlife crisis I had. You could have told me, Mike, back in the day when I was 15 or 16, if you would have told me that I would have ended up becoming a teacher, I mean, you should have just told me I would have been an astronaut. Like teaching just seemed impossible to me. I didn't even consider it until I was in my 20s. I think in part because I didn't have very many teachers that looked like me or, or look like us where okay. I grew up. I, I had great teachers, uh, but in, you know, Lowell Glendale, not, maybe not so Lowell anymore. The Super Bowl was just here, but in Glendale, Arizona, uh, the parts where I grew up, not only were there not a lot of black and brown students, um, but educators wise, man, I didn't have, I didn't have one black teacher in high school. So I just never even pictured myself. Uh, being in this profession, I didn't even know it was it was an opportunity for me. Um, so I wanted to give back. I wanted to find something I would enjoy, and luckily, I, I eventually mustered the confidence and the the certifications needed to mm -hmm. to start in the classroom. And um, all, although a challenging profession, certainly, it's been foundational to so many blessings, to so much good in my life. So I probably gave you hopefully everything you wanted. And then some, my journey to the classroom was, was definitely scenic. Um, but, but so grateful that, that life has led me there. Yeah. Cause I, I, I always wondered what brought you into the teaching profession, especially as young as you are. Um, because like in my experiences with, cause I've, I, I have four children. And throughout, through my experiences with them growing up and going into school and having parent-teacher conferences or just, matter of fact, having relationships with their teachers, um, one thing I've noticed from the time that I was in school in the in the middle, 
uh, early 80s, late 80s to now is the age gap of how teachers were. Like when I was going in, when I was in elementary school, you had teachers, let's say your third grade teacher was still in that school. By the time you graduated high school, you can go back to your elementary school and that teacher would still be there. When my kids were growing up, within, let's say, middle school, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, so that's three years. Within those three years, by the time they got to eighth grade, the teacher that they had in sixth grade was gone, long gone. Like, I remember my daughter, my daughter Mia, um, she was in eighth grade, and they was prepare, you know, preparing for the statewide test and the, and the New York Regents test and so forth. And one of her... I believe her English teacher left three months into eighth grade. And not only did I find that kind of messed up because I'm like, okay, this is a pivotal year in all these students, you know, early school career. They're prepping for these tests that especially in New York is like the end all be all of education, you know, of your progress in school. And you decide to leave three months in, right, maybe about a month and a half before they have to start taking these tests. And my daughter, even at her young age of 13 at the time, she felt abandoned by that teacher. And it's not even like he told the class, like, it wasn't, it wasn't his responsibility to, but it wasn't like he told the class, like, look, uh, this next opportunity came up, you know, I'm sorry, I got to take it, or, you know, family reasons and so forth, I got to take it. It was like, Monday, Monday morning came, Mr. Walker was gone. And they wow. found out from other teachers. And then pretty much they had to cobble or get together um, a staff to teach English. Wow. And not, not, not informing your kids of that decision is, is curious. I would wonder what was going on with Mr. Walker. That's yeah. I think if you're making the move, um, like you said, even though Mia and her peers were only 13, 14, um, you still owe it to them to, to let them know, because like you said, yeah, your teacher leaving is, is a pivotal, it's a pivotal moment. You know, and, but what I've, what, like I said, what I've noticed, like with my younger children going through school, it was almost like a revolving door, especially a lot of the teachers, especially in New York city, we have charter schools. I'm quite sure there's charter schools throughout the nation, but I'm speaking specifically of New York City. And a lot of the charter schools, the teachers or the educators in the charter schools are very young. Like they came out of college. But what how I felt was more along the lines of these teachers are not looking at this as a career. Matter of fact, I won't say as a career. They're not looking at this at the way you explained it. Like, all right, some uh, I'm going to give back to the community I'm in. I'm going to give back to the next generation and give them give them aspects that I didn't receive or I didn't see um, a representation of how I looked when I was looking at the team. It was more of, all right, this is for this check until the next, the best opportunity comes up and now we're gone. And it, mm. to me, that's kind of taking the soul out of education. And that's why in some respects, I feel like the students don't have or don't take um don't have a darn I'm, I'm losing i'm which I'm, I'm blanking for the word but they don't take ownership of what they're dealing with because they're feeling like all right the teacher 
either their witch going on, on Fridays, they're trying to rush through because they have to they have to get out to school for happy hour. Like that that's that's really the mentality. Like we knew it, like in charter schools up here, it's like every time you have a, a vacation, they're always off that Monday. And me and my wife was discussing. I'm like, darn, I wonder why. And I was like, you know what? She was like, well, you know, because she works in the charter school. And she's like, well, what I feel is a lot of them are going back home. A lot of them are not really from the city. So if you have a long vacation, like we just had President's Week here. So the, the students were out for the whole week. Now, my daughter, Kay, she goes to a district school. She's no longer in the charter school. She goes back to school tomorrow. My wife, who works in the charter school, she goes back Tuesday because they're giving that extra Monday for them to come back from wherever they travel to during the off time, and they call it Teacher Development Day. No, it's not Teacher Development Day. It's, okay, we're going to give you this extra day <laughs> to gather yourself to have, you know, to, to get yourself ready for the, for the uh, okay. upcoming week. I got you. you know, so that's why I was so interested in, like I said, being how, how your age or how young you are for you to make this investment into education and continuing um, even in a different field somewhat, but still being able to impact students on seeing who's going to be the, the teachers of the future. Yeah, absolutely. I have so many thoughts there. Thank you for, for sharing that. That was really enlightening. Um so you mentioned about, you know, Mia having that that eighth grade teacher and Mr. Walker and Mr. Walker leaving. It's interesting to know, obviously, you are are the king of New York. You are based based on the East Coast. I, I think here in Arizona, we face a lot of those challenges you alluded to. And, and no, no two teachers are the same, especially in, in terms of teachers who leave. Here in Arizona, it does feel like a revolving door as well. And, and I think... And maybe this is a different podcast, but there are myriad reasons why. Um, I think first and foremost, I don't know about New York and, and the data and the numbers, but um, here, first and foremost, there's a concern about teacher pay. So I think a lot of folks enter the profession and, and are really excited and energized and, and just passionate to try to do a good job. But then um, they, they just want to experience growth financially. So I know quite a few teachers who ended up going into the realty space. Okay. So they were teachers, but then ended up selling homes. One, because you're still serving others and, and, you know, providing that happiness when you're finding, you're helping people find their, their future home, but also because obviously when you think of a realtor, you think of, of uh, definitely a heftier paycheck than, than a teacher. Uh, and then secondly, at least recently, I think about my own experience, right? Because I never thought that I was going to be the teacher to leave during the school year. To your point, Mike, I was even guilty of sort of bad mouthing other colleagues who left during the year because I was in the I was in the classroom for six years, and even though that's a relatively short amount of time, I saw peers who left during the school year, um, like like too many to, to even remember yeah. or too many to name like, like people. And like you said, people who did let their kids know and other folks who just like, just left like Mr. Walker and, and where's Mr. Walker on Monday. Oh, he's in the Bahamas. You didn't hear. Right. And they just have to cobble together. So uh, at least for me, I can just speak to uh, for, for teachers leaving. Hey, you, you, you have to tell your kids that's number one. I, I don't think that's cool that Mr. Walker uh, didn't do that. And then two, 
there are so many factors, whether it's pay or, or I think a teacher's school site as well is really important. You want to feel supported by your administration, by your school board. Um, the past few years, there's been a lot of videos on YouTube of, um, I'll say, unruly citizens going to school board meetings and touting like conspiracy theories about uh, uh critical race theory being implemented in classrooms and teachers trying to brainwash students yeah. toward a liberal agenda and XYZ. So I think every teacher is unique in that regard. But for me, it was not necessarily feeling supported in a new school district. Of course, I felt like I wanted to level up money wise. Like I signed the contract. I knew what my paycheck was. But then when you're living the reality of it, you're like, man, it would be nice to just I don't know. (laughs) I just turned 30 this year, Mike, you know this, I wanted to reach some financial goals uh, because I just, you know, I just, it it was important to me. So I know for me, at least leaving the teaching profession was one of the toughest jobs or one one of the toughest decisions I've made. Luckily I'm in a position now working at uh, Arizona state university, the, the big college over here. I work for their teacher's college as a student recruiter so I'm visiting high schools all the time and community colleges and, and trying to recruit students to, to the profession. So in many ways, I think I'm, st- I'm still involved in the business of education, not the business, but the world of education. Yeah. My role just definitely has taken me out of the classroom in a sense, but uh, I, I still feel really fulfilled by it. All that being said, the end of my response, I definitely see myself re-entering the classroom whether that's back in a high school or if I'm somehow able to finesse myself into a college setting, the the desire is there. For me, I don't want to compare myself to CM Punk, but I think I needed I think I needed a break from the profession. I think I needed a break. <laughs> I think I needed a break from the profession. I think I think this applies to a lot of us, Mike. Maybe for you, maybe for our listeners, where you're in a job for several years, you you love it most days. But then at some point you become maybe a little disgruntled or or, oh. frust- or frustrated by the system, dare I say. And then you just, timing may not be great. You may be worried that you're disappointing a whole bunch of people, but you know for your own wellness, physically, mentally, emotionally, you, you just have to chuck up the deuces and say, hey, I'm leaving. And, you know, it is, it, it is what it is in this case. Um, uh, and so I've, I've done that, right? And luckily I had a position that I could fall back on and, and really grow in. Uh, but I'm definitely returning to the classroom one way or another. I don't know where that'll be. I don't know when that will be, but I miss kids. I miss, I mean, you have, you have four of them, right? So you know how incredible kids are. And, and although I'm not a father, I hope that I've made a difference in some kids' lives or, or just, I, I helped create a positive experience for, for kids, hopefully. And if it's for kids who look like me, then that's even a double bonus. Um, so <laughs> all of that to say, I miss teaching in, in so many regards. I am going to end up back in a classroom one way or another, but I think it's okay to embrace changes and, and transitions in life, even if they don't come at the optimal time. I think ultimately, Mike, like you and I have spoken about offline, you have to make sure you're right, mind, body, and soul. And if you're not, if the job is contributing to you not being right, 
I think sometimes you got to be a little selfish. But all that being said, Mr. Walker, total heel move to not let his kids know. I let my kids know. And although it was gutting, um, I just I just feel grateful to have leaned into this transition. And uh, yeah, teaching is just amazing. And uh, it's 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 in many ways, it feels like the Lord's work to me. Um, I definitely don't attend church as much as I should as the son of a, a, a grandson of a preacher. But teaching is just, man, I, I just I have so much respect for my colleagues who who are teaching Brad and, and so many others because you're just, you're, you're doing the work from here, from the heart every single day. So uh, shout out to Kay, shout out to Brad, shout out to everyone in high school right now, students, adults who are uh, just, uh, you know, just doing their thing. And, and I just, I miss it a ton. It's funny that you say, uh, sometimes you got to get to the point of just saying deuce, peace. Um, Cause like without divulging too much, I mean, people who know me personally pretty much know what I do for a living but i work with the public like the public it's not even like a segment of the population like i work with the public and this year in july be 20 years of me working at my shoot job now the way the job is set up is you know you do your 25 years of service and you got to be 55 years old to get your pension I've come to the conclusion um, because of some personal stuff that I've I've, I've talked about um, dealing with my emotional um, um, well-being and my mental well-being that there's no way in hell that I'm going to do a total of 28 years because by the time I'll get 55 years, years of age, I will have reached my 28th year and I'm not doing that. Um, besides the fact that I really can't wait to get out of New York, which is which is blasphemous to say to a certain degree, because I always thought I would be here. Like born, I born and raised. I thought I was just gonna be here. Yes, New York Knicks. Oh, trust me, I'm gonna get wore, to that. Wore, wore the cap just for you. De- definitely, thank you. You know, so I've come to the realization, like for my for my physical health, for my emotional health, for my mental health, that I'm gonna do my bare minimum, which is my 25 years. All right. There'll be a three year gap. All right. I won't be able to collect whatever, but how am I going to be, how am I going to enjoy my quote unquote pension? How am I going to enjoy my quote unquote retirement if I'm not well? You can't, you can't, you know, and in a, which go a, 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 a slight tangent. I finished binge watching the last year of the walking dead, right? Uh, yeah. The last season of the walking dead. And I coined a term of where I work uh, as we are the walking dead. Reason being is it seems like a large percentage of people within their first year of retirement end up passing away. I don't know if it's due to the work environment, which it probably is, the stress of the work environment, which it probably is. But a lot of people within their first year, you always hear, oh, yeah, such and such passed away or such and such passed away. Oh, damn, they just retired like six months ago. They passed away. So for years ago, I'm like, yeah, we're the walking dead. It's almost like once we take ourselves out of this toxic environment, it's like our body goes in shock. Of We're not used to the hustle and bustle. We're not used to stress. We're not used to getting cursed out. We're not used to getting things thrown at us or whatever. It's like our body just decompresses 
and unfortunately, like he passed away. So I say all that to say I understand why sometimes it comes to a time that for your for your well being, you for you and your family, you have to say peace. But one other thing that I'm going to transition to, um, and when you said you do you like to do this, you feel like it's um it's God's work of teaching. Who would you, or should I say, what would you say formed your moral compass? Hmm. My parents, first and foremost. So I, I reference them a lot. A, because I, I love them so, so much. And B, I'm an only child. So growing up, uh, <laughs> it was it was just me, right? It was my parents, our cat, and, and myself. So I, I definitely felt not only did they give me, you know, values to 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 start my life on of, you know, integrity, service, so on and so forth. But also I kind of created this internalized pressure that, OK, I look to the left, I look to the right. No siblings. I don't think any siblings are coming my way. It is all me <laughs> to do this right because I'm their only my mother. So I'm, I've turned 30 earlier this year and my mother still calls me her contribution to humanity oh, okay. all the wow. time to, to other wow. people to me i know it's like ma thank you and also okay i'm gonna try my best so for for me it's it's of course started with the two of them my late grandmother uh my my dad's mom was also uh, someone who i spent a lot of time with growing up she's just a, a wonderful wonderful lady and uh, they just really set the foundation for me and they you know, as I grew up and I saw friends, particularly late high school and then definitely getting into college, I saw friends or just other acquaintances uh, sort of dabble in different vices and just really just being out here and living their best lives. Yeah. I don't know that that was ever really appealing to me. I certainly felt like a square some weekends, but also I was always so concerned with messing up, right? I was so worried that I can't afford to mess up because of this scholarship or because what would my parents think or X, Y, and Z. And I don't know if that's an inherently only child thing, uh, but I was always so worried about that, that I tried to do the right thing in, in every instance. Did I? Absolutely not. I am, we were speaking about flaws earlier. I am just as flawed as they come, but which, which I won't get into. Of course. You hide right? them I'll, well. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll, I'll, I'll keep this pristine image of myself, but you know, hope, hopefully, um, you know, when I mess up, I apologize and try to do better. But uh, yeah, for me, it started with them. And then also, I wanted to just harp on two points. And I think this is related to what we're discussing now. For for me, uh, the last year I spent in the classroom, COVID was also a huge factor. Okay. So the, the community I, I've worked in both schools, filled with amazing people, amazing kids, amazing colleagues, fantastic. Uh, COVID was just such a huge factor. So obviously we won't get fully into that, but I just remember colleagues being out because they tested positive, students being out, and it was just a lot. So that was a huge factor I forgot to mention. Anyway, I share that. Second point, speaking of high school, is uh, in terms of my moral compass and in terms of me even getting into teaching, I attribute a lot of that to the election of Barack Obama. Okay. So by no means do I have this idyllic, you know, Barack Obama was the perfect politician. 
uh, every politician we we support some things they do don't support others i know you've gone in depth on this on previous podcasts about your local politicians my man oh but yeah I, benson I, <laughs> but I, I i will say in much more expedited fashion so much of my life is just goes back to high school right i was a sophomore in high school here in arizona when uh, Barack Obama ascended and, and ultimately was elected to to the presidency. And for me, of course, it, it was beneficial that he was representing the party that my family and I were were in line with, right, in the Democratic yeah. Party. Uh, but party aside, just the, the, the sheer power of me being 16 and seeing this man who, who looks like me ascend to the, the the very top of leadership in America was was so impactful and, and hit me in such a profound way that I thought, wow, if this skinny guy who who's kind of a hooper, who's left-handed, who has a beautiful wife and and two amazing kids, and uh, right, we can go all through his background, single parent home. Uh, you know, a really unique, unique name for America and American politics. If this man can can be so excellent and so brilliant and, and be elected to be the president and the first black president of the U.S. And it seems like as politicians go, his moral compass is, is pretty strong. Then then what can I do if I try to keep my morals in check and if I try to treat people with the kindness and respect they deserve and and just not just mitigate mitigate mistakes right if i can do that what can i achieve so for me it was my parents first and foremost and, and, my, and my grandmother on my dad's side and then also my family in new york and new jersey who i didn't see often but i knew i was representing them okay. and then also honestly i don't know if he's going to listen to this i hope he will but former president barack obama it was really those were kind of the central figures in my life. Roxy Diaz, of course, as well. <laughs> but those, those, those were those were really the central figures. I, I kind of attribute it, and then I want to pass it to you, Mike. I kind of attribute it to being on the basketball court because basketball has been so fundamental to my life. And I played point guard for for a lot of my life. And as a point guard, your job is to make others better and make others look better while mitigating your mistakes so you really want that nice assist to turnover ratio hopefully you give out a lot of assists that contribute to the success of a lot of people while not needing credit for it but also you don't have 10 turnovers right You're, you're mitigating mistakes you're trying to look on the floor for what's a possible mistake let me go the other way with the rock so i think a lot of my mindset was also just attributed to basketball and coaches i had of let me try to bring this point guard mentality into my shoot life and into my real life. So that's, uh, I think that's what shaped my moral compass, my, my family, the ascension of former president Obama, basketball and those lessons. I just try to treat people well and believe that the universe will, will come back and take care of me tenfold. Uh, that's, that's interesting. Like when you, when you started off and you said, um, being an only child, um, I'm not, Technically, an only child. Um, sister Ooh, how you doing, babe? <laughs> my, my my lovely sister Ooh, um, sister Steph. Now, no, actually, no, it can't be sister Steph because it's already sister Steph. But sister Ooh, look, 
regardless of whether he's retired, she's always sister. Ooh. Um, my sister's 15 years older than me. So she got married when I was maybe about five. Like I was the ring, I was the ring bearer at her at her first wedding. So that's how much the age gap was. So pretty much my our mom uh, raised me in the household. I was the only child in the household because my sister was starting her family. Um, moral compass. I, I of course I always had to default to my mom and my grandma, um, and, and my aunt, my aunt Jackie, <laughs> to a certain degree. Um, people who remember my aunt Jackie, they're probably like, huh? I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. Trust me, it, there's a reason. Um, but. My mom and my grandma, I will always have that voice in the back of my head of, in my older years, I would kind of go close to the line. Like I would kind of determine where the line is and pretty much go as close as possible without going over. Cause I pretty much wanted to see what I could get away with. Um, but when I was younger, it was always that voice in my mind in, in back of my mind. Like Michael, don't you dare. I would hear my my middle name, and since pretty much this is a reinvention, I'm going to let it all out there. My middle name is Andre. I can't stand that name. I hate that name with a passion. When I would get in trouble, or when my mom would deem that I was in trouble, she would she would do like old school parents would. She wouldn't call me by my first name. She called me by my middle name. And that's kind of the reason why I hate my middle name, because she would say, Andre, Andre, come here, Andre. And the way she would say it would be so, it would be like a droning. And I would know, oh, shoot, I'm in trouble. She's calling me Andre. But I would hear that in the back of my mind, like, Andre, you better not, or because somebody else got away with stealing these chips from the from the corner store you better not steal these chips for the corner store or you know you your your curfew at nine o'clock you best to come your butt upstairs at nine o'clock andre you know so and then in my older years um to be blunt um i would say god would be my moral compass because uh uh-oh Ain't this something? On my debut episode of the Salty Thoughts of Mike Steph, I <laughs> have lost connection for Mr. McDowell. Now, hopefully, he'll be able to reconnect. Very, very much so. Um, in a few minutes, so I'm going to uh, try to, you know, keep this thing going until he comes back on. Um, Damn StreamYard. And I'm blaming StreamYard. Like I said before, you see what this cord is? This is my Ethernet cord. My Ethernet cord, meaning it's not me. And it's not Mr. McDowell either. It's StreamYard because I'm quite sure he's hardwired just like I'm hardwired. So it's not the Wi-Fi and it's not spotty internet. It's spotty stream yard. 
<laughs> well, you listen, you look great. You sound great. I, I think we're back. Fingers crossed. Oh, yeah, we're, we're back. Like, I, I, was, I was telling them, like, yeah, I'm going to have to try to keep this on because I got the message that you're coming back in. I'm like, all right, I just got to, you know, do a little cha-cha-cha. Hey, hey um, improvise. Um, but, yeah, like I said, to be blunt, um, you know, it would be God because, like, I always knew if I was doing something I had no business doing, I always knew that. But Yeah, you heard you heard that voice. I caught that before. I, yeah, before I've always heard out. that voice. And I've... I've I've thought of it like I've been in so many situations that could have went way to left. Amen. And my current Talk situation about it. would be totally different. Talk about it. And it's almost like you know a piece of a, a chess a chess piece on on the board that all right you're <laughs> in here. No, we're going to move you over here. Amen. All right, whatever happened over there that no longer concerns you. Like out which going not to get too much in depth in it. But there's two instances, and, and and my best friend, when he watches this, he's gonna be like, "Yo, Mike, with these NDAs, I told you about these NDAs, but I'm not gonna mention no names, <laughs> right? Because tell you the truth, he wasn't involved, but we was together. So there was this one time um, on my old block, um, you know, at which got back in the '90s, you know, that was the the hangout spot was like you kind of migrated toward the corner. Now I wasn't really a corner boy. Like I, I have friends that were, but I wasn't really a corner boy, right? So a lot of times, if I was on the corner, if I was staying there too long, the, which go uh, my people would tell me like, "Yo, Mike, yo, what, what are you doing? Like, don't you got anything? Don't you got something to do? Like, other words, we're over here for a purpose. You're just hanging out. You need to go someplace else." And at the time, I didn't realize it. At the time, I didn't appreciate it. Looking back, especially when I had kids. I used to tell them of my experience, like sometimes people appreciate you for being you and not for what you're trying to be. So they knew I never was trying to be, which go a uh, super hustler. They knew I was never trying to be, which go you know super gangster, or whatever. Like you know, I drank, I smoked, I had my, I had my, which go I had my, I had my, my girls or whatever. And but that was me. But I didn't do anything else. So. Like I said, long story short, I'm there and, uh, you know, we're just hanging out on the corner or whatever. And sure enough, these cops come by and they tell everybody to disperse. It wasn't even like we was doing anything in particular. It just seemed like it just kind of like pretty much progressed that there was about 15 people in the, in the vicinity. But 15, it wasn't 15 people together. We all knew each other. But all right, these people are having a conversation. These people are having a conversation so far. And of course, you know, we're a little rebellious like. Yeah, what the fuck you mean? Not, we don't gotta we don't gotta move, blah 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 blah. Next thing you know, fire truck comes. You're like, fire truck? Why why is there a fire truck at 12 o'clock at night for the police trying to get us to move? They called the fire department. Do you know what they were planning on doing? They told us all to line up against the wall, they were gonna hose us down. Now, they're which going they're patting people, patting people down, you know, see if we had any paraphernalia or so forth. And let's say I'm like seventh, seventh, uh, I'm I'm number seven. And um, I had some marijuana on me. And I'm like, oh God, I can't afford to get no ticket. I'm not, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to get arrested for for having some weed on me. And 
they right before they got to us, they which got uh they pulled the hose down and pretty much one of the one of the when the head police guys, police officers, like, you know what? I think they got a call. Everybody, get out of here. Get out of here. Because don't have us come back and y'all still congregate. Con- consider this a warning. Get out of here. And we kind of, like I said, we realized they were about to hose us down. And sure enough, everybody's like, you know what? We're never going to give them no lip. Everybody went their own way. I was like, I, I think it's time for me to go home <laughs> and get out of here. About you know, which, but I, yeah. you know, I think uh, I think I had I think I had one child, my, my oldest son at the time. He was like maybe like two. I'm like, yeah, it's time. It's time to get out of here. But it, but it's time, it's an idea of a chess piece though of like what if what if that officer didn't have that? Okay, it's time to go. Uh, yeah, right. You know, now another time, and I'm actually going. I'm going to say this one instead of the one I was going to say. Um. My family was living in Pennsylvania. Like me and my family lived in Pennsylvania, let's say about six years. We lived in Easton, home of Larry Holmes. Everything, everything was Larry Holmes down there. Um, go, go figure. Which going now? Shoot, x amount of years later, they gentrified Easton, Pennsylvania, and there's not many of us that's really there. But at the time, we was we was deep. So, um, it was Thanksgiving time. And I was having problems with my car. So I had I had a minivan, a Dodge Caravan. This was like 2005. So I had a Dodge Caravan that was a 95 Caravan for like 10, 10 years old. Um, I bought it for 250 I knew it was a lemon. I put some stuff in it or whatever just to get from A to B. And then um, I bought another car. And that car ended up having like an alternator problem or something. So in my infinite wisdom, I'm going to uh, take the plate from the car with the alternator problem and put it on the Dodge Caravan, even though I actually turned in the plate for the Dodge Caravan. So pretty much the registration, there's no registration on this car. But I needed to get my family from Pennsylvania up to New York to spend Thanksgiving with me. So I, I take the bus down to Pennsylvania to get my, get my, um, get my van, and we drive up. No incident fine so we go to take some some holiday pictures i think um probably was probably was kayla yeah i probably wish go ahead. we probably took some holiday pictures for her so we're coming back and we, we're in brownsville brownsville brooklyn drop one of my one of my one of my in-laws off now me forgetting that mike you're you don't got no registration on this van your plates are bogus you need to be quiet we drop him off at you know at, at which go at another cousin's house and we we're in this cross street from precinct and that area was kind of hot so pretty much they were looking to see if anything was out of the ordinary so we see another come like hey cuz what's going on cuz they're like yo mike what's going on da, 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 da. so we drop him off and then we go to the corner i make the left i'm going back home sure enough there's a cop car right behind me i get to the light i make another left and i'm I, I always drop out a book. I put my signal on and everything. As soon as I make that left, whoop, whoop, pull over. I'm like, okay. Now, at this time, I have, it was me, my wife, my four kids, and my sister-in-law. So, we're, we're deep in that van. They ran my plates. I had Mitsubishi Gallant plates on a Dodge Caravan. 
Now, mind you, the plates were still in my name. It just wasn't to this car. So, cop pulls me over. And, you know, he's, he's like, let me get my, uh, can I see your license and registration? I'm like, Ooh. oh, my God. So, my wife, not realizing the severity of the situation, is there any reason why you pulled us over, officer? And I shouldn't do that because I know my wife is like, I do not sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> that that's, that's been the best part of the story. Please you continue. Know, I'm, I'm embellishing right now. Sure, so, sure. <laughs> So which going? So he's like, the reason we're pulling you pulling you over is because you got Mitsubishi plates on a Dodge Caravan. So he goes back and he runs. I guess he's running my license, see if I have any have any warrants or anything with me. I'm pretty much. A, I'm a. I'm straight. I'm. I'm. I'm which going? I'm, I'm a squid for, for the majority of the thing. Even though this is kind of some crooked shit I'm doing now, but for the most part, I'm a square, right? It's a little crooked, yeah. You know, I yeah, you. yeah. So, I said, yeah, you know. So I just so trying to be with the fam. I was like, okay. So I put my hand out the window and I was like, excuse me, officer, can I talk to you for a minute? So he said, yeah. So I come out and um I go to him and he's like, what you want to what you gotta say? I said, um, I show him my job ID. And he looks at my job ID, which will not be named. And he was like, Oh, okay. I'm going to give you a break because if I do what I'm supposed to do, you're probably going to mess around and get suspended from your job because you have, you're driving a vehicle with no registration, no inspection stickers and plates that don't belong in this vehicle. So I told him my story. I'm like, look, it's a holiday season, Thanksgiving, family lives in Pennsylvania. Which God, money was kind of tight, so I couldn't afford five bus tickets for him. So I went down there, got my got my got my car that's been sitting there, and drove him up. And he's calling me all types of frauds. He was like, "You're a scam. There's no way you drove two states with a dirty car like this." And blah blah. blah. And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, I did." He was like, "No, you did it, and you're still lying to me." Wow. So he said, "Look, so who's who's everybody in the van?" I was like, "All right, it's my wife." Four kids and my sister-in-law. He was like, Pff. "Now my kid, my I think my oldest at the time had to be about twelve, so all my kids are young." He's like, "Look, this is what I want you to do: take that home, park that car, and get them home safe." You little scam artist. <laughs> and he's talking to me like purity, you know what? And I got to take it because I'm like, "All right, he's letting me go." Good. So, 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 um, so that in my infinite wisdom, I asked him, I'm like, uh, is there anything that you can give me in case I get pulled over again to let them know that you kind of gave me the, the, he was like, absolutely not. If you don't get the fuck out my face. Like, let me, let me take this. Let me not try to overstay my welcome. So I said, okay. So, but here's the kicker. So we go home. Now, the next day, I'm supposed to get my family back down to Pennsylvania. So I'm telling, I'm telling, this is like, uh, I don't think it's a good idea. What you, what you scared? <laughs> Just like that. I'm like, yeah, I am. I am scared. Wouldn't you be too? So 
we need to get home. I was like, all right. So I waited until about 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, figuring it's going to be light on the highways. I, I get down, I get them down about an hour and a half. I'll leave the car there. I'll take it. I'll take the take the bus back up. But late night, I pretty much I know it like the back of my hand. I mean, back of my head, I, I can do it. So we're about half hour into the drive. We get into Jersey. Guess what? They got a roadblock. They're stopping cars one by one and asking them for their license no. and registration. Get so we're it. like five cars back, and I'm like, this is not happening. Heart heartbeat intensifies. Yes. We're the next car up. I don't know what happened. All I know is by the grace of God, he let that car go. They stopped the roadblock, said, Hey my god. Wow. Once again. Okay. I'm not saying I was correct. I'm not saying that I had any type of, you know, uh, I was I was right in any 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 situation. Like, cause my thing was, in my heart, only thing I was trying to do, I just wanted to be with my family for the holidays, and that was the only way I could really think of getting my family up here in that particular situation. Cause, like I said, which go money was short. You know, sure I had to pay. I was paying rent in poor places. Like, like money was short. You know, but I, that that's what I wanted to do. So maybe because my intentions were good, it was like, okay, you already got caught once and you really tempted fate, but we're going to move this out the way for you to get your family back down there. Yeah, but, that's exactly what it was. You know, so, so yeah, so that's my long-winded way of saying, yeah, you know, between, between my mother, my grandmother, and God, those were my moral compasses. I love that. That's, a, that's, a, that's a heck of a trio. Well, people, I'd like to thank each and every one of y'all who have tuned in on the, for the debut episode of the Salty Thoughts of Mike Steph. Hopefully what you've heard so far has tickled that ear and maybe, just maybe, give you an insight on what we're trying to accomplish here on the Salty Thoughts of Mike Steph platform. Yes. As always, like I said, I'd like to thank each and every one of y'all for making me in this here podcast the one y'all choose to listen to. Next week, we'll have the second part of my conversation with one half a GI, Gimmick Infringement, Tyler McDowell. But I will be remiss if I do not mention his partner and my brother from another, also part of GI, actually one of the integral parts in this, into uh, this rebranding of mine. And that would be a Mr. Brad Winchester. Yes, um, I appreciate everything you've done for me. I appreciate all the help that you've, uh, you know, bestowed upon me. And uh, as I said during the podcast, he's a very busy man, but hopefully I will be able to get him in that seat across from me very, very soon, at least virtually. So, yes, next week will be part two. Of the conversation with Tyler, in which I believe we actually talk about the Phoenix Suns. We actually get into some into some sports. We talk about the Phoenix Suns and their acquisition of Kevin Durant at the trade deadline. We discuss um, some of his potential conflicts when it comes to rooting for 
teams on two coasts and we'll get dabble into some music taste and some style choices to say the least and of course if anything happens this coming week well matter of fact i'll put this out there in the atmosphere right now because it is early monday morning the new york knicks are riding a nine game winning streak with a coming off an exhilarating victory this past evening over the Boston Celtics in double overtime. New York Knicks, we coming, we coming. And unfortunately on, yeah, I'm a duplicitous one myself. Unfortunately on the West Coast, my Golden State Warriors came up short against those damn Los Angeles Lakers. But next week, I'll probably sprinkle in some thoughts on the ongoing NBA season as the regular season winds down. And spring spring training has begun with a whole bunch of changes. So many changes right now. There's too numerous to mention on this short outro. Like I said, I'm trying to keep the time short, but that's the only thing that's short when it comes to Mike Steph. <laughs> but yeah. So until next week, have a good one. Goodbye. Bye.